0: Hello, everyone. My name is Shahid Islam. I am CEO of ST Innovation. I run a blog called agency.managecoder.com where we share knowledge from industry leaders and myself about how to grow your software development agency. In this current series, I'm talking to expert in USA to understand how market work, how do you run your software development team, and how do you grow your you know, market to US. So today I have a guest, a very special one, Mr. Ashikud Jaman. He is engineering, senior engineering leader at Marqeta. Uh, welcome, Ashik. Thank you for joining. Yeah,
1: thank you, Shahid Bhai, yeah, for your time. Hello.
0: Yeah. Uh, why don't you introduce and give us a little bit of background about yourself, so that um, in our audience would uh, love to know uh, what is your background and how, what is your current position and what is your job, you know, anything if- else.
1: Definitely. So I have been working in the software industry for a little more than two decades now. Primarily, I have been working as a technical lead in in many different industries, some part when I was in Bangladesh about four or five years. And then uh, for last about 15, 16 years here in uh, USA, particularly in Silicon Valley. Currently, I am working as a senior engineering manager in a, a fintech company uh, based in Oakland. Uh, one of my passion is actually uh, engineering leadership, building teams, building highly scalable distributed systems and uh, improving the existing process and so on. So th- this has been a, last five, six years has been a very much, lot of focus of myself and this is a very vast area to learn. And I'm I'm always willing to learn from others and share my experience and understanding so that we can grow as a community together. So thank you so much, Shadhai, for hosting me. Thank
0: you. So Ashik, um, I've been talking to a lot of people, right? Uh, if you are growing um, agency like us, uh, when we call agency a small web development shop, when we are dealing with client in USA, one of the core problem I see with those you know, companies who are dealing business or doing work for US client that how do they manage the technical team, right? Um, because our you know, main element is that if we don't have a team, we cannot deliver a project to the client. And I, what I feel that if you are running a team in, whether in Bangladesh or India and other places, uh, you are not doing it properly. And when I spoke with you multiple times, I can clearly see that you have a very uh, clear idea how to manage a team. And that's probably very common in us. So i like to know more about it. Uh, what is, if you and if you want to give advice to someone, what would you give them, how to manage a technical team? Let's start from the beginning. I know it's very basic information, but I think it's very important to start from there.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's a very good question,
0: uh, Shadbhai. Thank you.
1: So when I think of managing a technical team, see, there are some keywords coming already. It's not just managing any team. Like we say that we are um, engineering managers or engineering leaders. And there is a certain level of difference between how a regular team and an engineering team is managed or a technical team is managed. So I I have been managing teams uh, directly as a line manager for a long time. And now I have moved into manager of manager position. So I indirectly manage teams. And I see a lot of different ways uh, people manage a team. You know, uh, leadership or team building is not an exact science. It's a a combination or aggregation of science and an art or creativity together. So I, I, I have seen from my experience certain patterns on what that might work. So I'll start with the big picture, is that before you manage a team, we first have to think how you build a team, and then what kind of target you give to the team, and then how you monitor it. So to to do that, let's first talk about building a team. So you'll see when we are trying to um, build an engineering team or a technical team, we have some purpose in mind, right? Like there is a business goal, there is a corporate strategy, there is a particular project, or maybe it is time-bound or it may not be time-bound either. We call it that we build a team to deliver results. That results as a leader, it's an understanding between us and our our corporate sponsors, our stakeholders, is that what result we want out of the team. There has to be good clarity around it. So all the team management and execution policy actually has to be centered around that results. We call it deliver results. And different company this differently. Um, here, Here in my company, we call it deliver results. Now, how you deliver results? you deliver results through building a very high-performing team. And to my understanding, for a high-performing team, there are three major pillars. Without that, you cannot have high-performing team. And without high-performing team, you cannot have proper, measurable, quantifiable, and committed results to be delivered to your stakeholders. So as you see in this uh, uh, triangle, what what I try to portray here is that the result is the centerpiece when we are building and managing a team. Now, the first thing comes is building a team. We in this particular triangle, I'm I'm mentioning it as a talent. Mm. So there are different different um, um, executive coaches. They they call this differently. Like you'll see, Patrick Lencioni calls it as selection. Um, he has a um, basically an analogy is that a team. When you are managing a team, what you are trying is that you are trying to take a bus from station A to station B, and and to do the, this nicely, you will have to first figure out who, which are the people who can get into the bus. So that is called selection. Um, uh, Mark Miller or Ken Blatchard, they call it differently. They call it talent. But basically, the idea is that you have to have the right people in the team. Now, who are the right people in the team? That will really vary depending on the domain that you are working on, the industry, even the geography. For example, what may be the right engineer for a team in um, San Francisco, may be quite different in Estonia, or maybe a little bit different in Dhaka, or somewhere else in Shanghai. So geography the exact company the culture the value mission all of these will matter but there are certain things that we look when we look into um the selection or the talent who will be the member of the team is that two kind of thing the hard skill and the soft skill the hard skill is usually the job at hand like for example let's say if you want to participate in a racing competition you need a good driver so the driving skill is the hard skill. This is your basic skill. For us, for engineer engineering teams, driving skill, maybe coding skill, system design skill, testing skill, and so on, leadership skill, and so on. So we have to have the right talent or the right selection of people in, as a building blocker, team members of the team. That's the first thing. If we make a mistake in selecting the right people in the team, the, tra- the task for the leaders or for us for managers become a lot tougher to deliver the result that is the center of this triangle sometimes it may end up being putting people into performance improvement plan or firing or at least training the people to up level them to the minimum skill that we need so that that hard skill so we have a lot of interview process to make sure this happens but there is another area which is the behavioral skill we call it we can say soft skill as well and um, here the way i think of and i introduced in my company as well is that they apart from apart from the actual hard skill for a team member we need to have people who demonstrate themselves as a good team player because without being a good team player the team will not work in a cohesive manner even one person who is not a good team player may make a lot of hamper in the overall team deliveries or growth of the team. So the way we try to find it out during interview process and once people are in, the way we try to coach is that to be an ideal team player, you will have to be humble, hungry, and people smart. So there are a lot of theories. This came out of uh, also from another book of Patrick Lentzian's The Ideal Team Player, is that ideal team player has to be humble, hungry, and smart. But we can go a little bit more deeper maybe at a later session. but. This is the baseline of the triangle for high performing team, which to, to deliver results, which is talent. We have the right people in the team. Now, once we have the right people, so yeah. just
0: to intervene here, like so let's say if I am building a team in Bangladesh or India or other place and I'm going to start client here. You know, when I deal with a lot of CEOs in those right. countries, they always put too much concentration on which university they are coming for from, but that right. they have programming language they know it yeah. and why i mean that's particularly particular i mean i am a great believer that you know culturally fit people you know what he mentioned right why yeah. is it so important especially i feel like it is more important when you are trying to start client in us because you know it is culturally fit people will deliver you more right why can you elaborate that a little bit more
1: yeah definitely so um you know what Particularly when I was working at Bangladesh also and in many other places, one of the primary focus for hiring managers have been, okay, do, do, does that person know Java or this programming language or the Selenium, this framework and architecture? And because we often didn't used to get people who are skilled at it, we have been focusing too much on that hard skill side. and often it used to happen is that we don't have enough people who already know it. For example, one of my friend used to tell that he 20 or 30 years back, he gave an advertisement like he needs a Perl programmer. And from whole Bangladesh, only two people applied. Like there was not even three people who could apply for a Perl job. So we have been focused so much on the hard skill. And because we are not getting enough of those hard skill, the next step, the leaders, Uh, or hiring managers, companies in Bangladesh started thinking is that, okay, let me take some sharp people from universities and other people and we will train them because they will learn quickly. Mm. One of the things they miss here is that because of so much focus on which university are the good student, can they learn quickly is not good enough because you may have the skill to do it. There is that skill will matrix, but how do you know you will have the will to do it? So we need that hard skill, but we have to have a lot of emphasis around, is this person trying to learn hard? Will, Will they be quick learner? Will they do their best? Often, dedication and hard work beats talent by a big margin. If someone is very talented but very reluctant in work, they are not going anywhere. They are not taking the team anywhere. Versus someone else who can learn the skill quickly, but has the dedication, the hard work, the stubbornness, that type of people can become a very good team player and we can train them and increase their skill which is the second part of the triangle so to answer your question i think for um, companies in bangladesh while they have to focus on the um, sharpness or the ability to learn for people they also have to see how much drive they have how much initiative they show how much potential there, are they humble if these things are not there you will pick someone wrong who is probably on paper from a very good university or maybe a very good programmer, but they will ruin the team. So a proper balance is needed. And how will you get that? That's the job of our leaders there, our hiring managers. And the managers who hire needs to be trained that you have to focus not only on the hard skill side of it, but this behavioral side of it. Without this, You will not be able to work with companies like uh, overseas companies like us because here, if if you give a project to outside companies like to uh, to outsource projects, if we cannot communicate properly with the other counterpart of uh, our leaders or our engineers, we are going to shut that project. We'll simply move to some other companies, irrespective of how many good engineers you have, because we are not only just trying to solve the problem, we are. Trying to solve the problem with quality and within a time box, time boundary. And all this cannot happen just by skill, just by talent. You'll have to have everything else. So that's why this is very, very important for our leaders. And there is a lot of uh, scope for improvement in this area.
0: Uh, Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Uh, you can move on to the next uh, two.
1: Yeah. So the next one is this skill. Um, so now when we selected someone in the team. We know that this person has some hard skill why we we selected them. Even if that person is a let's say office receptionist, that means that a receptionist is good at how to handle reception, how to welcome people. So their hard skill is there, their job-specific skill. To some extent, they have it. But then, of course, we look for that other uh, during the selection process at the humble, hungry, and are the ideal team player, right? So once we have it, we know this is a valuable employee, but We need to now train them to get better. There is no end of getting better, no matter how good someone is. So this is where that skill parts come. One of our job is to identify that the team members that we have, who is good at what? What is their strength and weaknesses? This is, again, in that Patrick Langeone's uh, um, analogy of taking a bus from station A to station B. The first part is that we figured out who can ride the bus, who are the talent uh, that get, could get into your team or how you selected the team. But the second angle is once you are they are in the bus, who should be sitting where? That's another big thing. For example, there is a very good engineer you hired. They showed a uh, lot of promises or potential that they can do different type of technical work, front-end engineering, back-end engineering, database design, maybe infrastructure development, coding, or simply user experience designing. In general, they maybe they came out of a um, university, um, they just passed, and they have general knowledge about all of this. Now, you have to figure out depending on the other team members within the team, exactly what kind of work will be right for this particular team. In other case, you have the number of passengers in the bus. You have to figure out who sits, which passenger sits where in that bus. That is the team composition part comes into it. Maybe you see someone looks like good at backend engineering like Java database programming and so on. But in your this team, you have a lot of backend engineers you are able to hire, all are promising. And you're having a hard time finding a good front-end engineer or, or, a, or a good test engineer. And you have hired one of the people who showed promise in all three of those. So as an engineering manager, you need to see if you can influence that engineer or team member to put them as a front-end engineer, because this is what is needed to deliver the result right now. This is the skill gap that this team has. So as an engineering leader, we'll have to find out collectively for this team, what are the skill gap and where we have a little bit extra. Maybe we have a lot of back-end engineers. We don't need so many, but those are good engineers. We don't want to lose them either, either. So figure out. Who should be where? Maybe one of those backend engineers should become actually a manager because they understand backend they will be able to manage other back-end
0: engineers well or or the whole team well. So I think I want to input yeah. here. Yeah. Over yeah. last 17 yeah. years, one thing I have noted yeah. that people underestimate that some sometimes you hire people and you always think that, oh, they're not good programmer, let them go. Right. But there are certain people you should find out whether they can be fit into other roles. Exactly. I have some of the employees who join as a developer. Now they're the manager, and yeah. they're very good at their job. Yeah. So that's and, a very good
1: point. This is a very very relevant point. For example, one of the thing is that when we as managers try to manage out someone, that means we say the firing. Instead, the way some people say we'll put them into performance improvement plan. The standard term we use is managing out. So. When we think of managing out someone, one of the mistakes we do is that we don't try to find another relevant good seat or spot within the same team or within the company in a different team for those engineers. Because if that employee were able to pass the interview process, one thing we know is that probably their behavioral skill is variable. Maybe their hardest skill is not particularly suitable for that particular team. Or maybe the culture is not suiting You'll have to figure out where the problem is. Often, if it is the problem that the person we want to manage out is because of the behavioral skill, usually we, as a managers we decide not to find an alternate solution. But often, the firing happens actually for core skill, the hard skill. Like maybe they are not a very good front end engineer. Then you find out another team or within your team another role. Maybe they will be a good test engineer. Have you tried that out? That I, which is what you said just a little earlier. So I veryly really agree on it, and this is the area I tried to cover in that skills is that let's figure out what are the skills that the team needs, and what is your available talent pool, who should be sitting where, and whenever you have a gap, train them, send them into seminar. And nowadays, you know, resources are so much available. Internet, people who are quick learner or good learner, they can do a lot of learning themselves, but they always need some help from some senior people, some guideline and training, and companies should be doing that. So that's what I tried with the skill, the second part. Now, maybe you can move into the third part, uh, the third pillar of a team, community. Now, by community, what we mean is this is a very important one. This is exactly where everything gels together. You have some good people and you have put them in the right seat right places the right role you have given them still they all may work as a silo just do their own work very well without interacting with each other you will see they will be able to give you some output or task will be finished but those will not be cohesive and as a result your team goal or the deliver results will not be achieved why? Because they are only doing independent pieces separately without a harmony within the team. What we need as a leader is to find that each of their individual tasks sums up together in a coherent manner so that we can deliver result, or whatever is the outcome we are looking for. So there is one thing we call output versus outcome. And output is I am giving you a task, you are finishing it. But The fact that we have a goal in mind, we have an outcome in mind, which we've broken down to small a series of outputs. The idea is that all those outputs joined together only will achieve the outcome. Even part of the outputs, some of those done is not good enough. So it doesn't matter if one or two of your team members are doing very well and another one or two are not doing well. Overall, cohesively, we'll have to deliver it. And that can happen when people work as a team and people can work as a team when they care about each other they know each other they know each other's strengths and weakness and as a result you will have to know that yes this person is strong in coding but weak in documentation there is another person who's probably strong in documentation but not that excellent in coding or system design so they can complement each other but that complementary actions will not happen if they don't work well with each other that's why they. Part of community comes into picture. As a result, as, as a leader, as a manager, we'll have to have a very keen eye on this complementary skill and how they gel well together. That's why we do staff meeting, we do company offside, team building activities. But end of the day, the idea is that they know each other, not just professionally, personally, so that they can gel well together. I, as a manager, has to know that one of my engineers is a big fan of, let's say, soccer, Brazil. Another person is probably a very big cricket um, cricket, yeah, or audience, like viewer and so on. Why? Because those will enable me to connect with them, build trust with them, and influence them. And those will also enable my team members to influence me. The team members influencing the managers, because it has to be two-way. It's never that you tell them how to do it. Otherwise, you'll not get a lot of good ideas from the team members. So it has to be both ways it will be coming. Of course, end of the day as a leader, you'll have to make some decisions or tie-breaking. Or when the team comes out with different proposals, once you make a decision, everyone has to disagree and commit that, OK, whatever ideas we discussed all are good but as a leader my call is that we're going with option three as soon as the call is made if this team gels well together they'll completely forget about whatever disagreement they had until the decision was made you immediately commit to it and you work as a team to get to that decision that outcome so that outcome instead of output has to be our target as a leader and that cannot come without a very good Caring team
0: for each other or community. So, uh, one question here that what I have noticed, especially in subcontinent, concentration too much on work, right? When we are running a software development company or web development company, we are thinking, okay, let's just have the employee work 40 hours a week. Let's not waste our time. The word waste is a big here. Uh, So when we started SDI um, and I remember when I proposed the idea that weekly uh, HR will do Friday evening, um, some kind of gathering and fun activity. It required two, three hours, uh, they would be off. And some of the team members like, oh, we are wasting time. That word waste is used in such a way that productive work means planned work, but this community it does require a lot of effort right that means you are paying that money somehow to build the community what does it involve meeting uh, we do weekly reading with our team member they have to read a book uh one other thing i mean i know you are a big big fan of particularly in i mean my company every employee requires to read five Dysfunctions of a team i want you to cover a few examples what are the things why still emphasizing you know we only have a few minutes but i want to emphasize the point that this is not a waste yes you know you have to do these things to build a company in for future
1: yeah definitely that's a very a good point you, you brought so the way i see it is that uh, we are human beings and we perform best when um, when we have a clear focus and target and we have the confidence so now when a manager is telling a team is that you are a good coder And your job is to code. So please keep coding. I have a product manager who will give you a requirement, and you just write the code in it. After a certain point in time, those engineers will become monotonous. They will lose interest. They will not have the hunger to do something new, because they are doing repetitive work, the same thing again and again. And they are not getting to the next level, not thinking creatively what else can be done. Our job is to make sure everyone grows over time. And how will they do it when, while they are doing their work, they know exactly what they are not doing. So when we, of course, at, at times we have um, project deadlines, and one week the whole team had to work very hard to get a release done in production, which are maybe in every year, two or three times it may happen, but almost all the time, the work has to be very balanced within the team members. For example, for a good team, the way I run my teams is that 80% of the deliverables that we have are client-specific, and 20% are tech debt or technical debt that you'll have to scale the system and so on. But even this 20% and 80% together is actually only 60% of the work that a team member does for a team. That's how I run my team then you may say, what do they do at the other 40% time? That's the one. The engineers have to have their one-on-one. They have to join the staff meeting. They have to go on vacation. They have to have personal time. They have to have reading time, learning time. Otherwise, what will happen? A Java programmer will always remain a Java programmer. They'll never become a system architect because they are coding. The same thing they are coding. A tester will continue to become a tester. Maybe one day they'll get promoted after many years of repetitive work. That is neither good for the team, not for the career of those team members. And if it is not good for the career of the team members, they are going to leave your team. You have to constantly show them every quarter, every six months, every one year, how much progress they are making. And how are you going to do it without telling them what other things can be done? If you just if you just tell them that this is the project and we have a client, we have to meet deadline, OK. From the very beginning, you'll have to think the way I think is that only 60% of these team members' capacity is for that client. That, and even within that 60%, 80% of that is for actual client's feature delivery and the other 20% is a scaling and system. So overall, in fact, less than 50% of a work of an engineer's time has to be just for the coding of the feature that you, you got the project from from your client. Anything more than that you do is not sustainable or not good for the career of the team members or you will not be able to keep The team members together, you will see a lot of retention. They are moving out. They lose motivation. They don't get there. And they are not learning new things. So there is a big big joke is that a CFO and a CEO were talking about. So the CEO was saying is that, um, I want you to train all my team members this new skill. The CFO is saying that, but this is going to take a lot of money. He says, Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's okay if it takes money, as the team members. Then the CFO was saying is that what if you invest so much money, you train them, you get the training, and then they leave the company. Then we'll have all the money wasted, right? The CEO answered, What if I don't train them and they stay in the company? What will be the situation of our company? So we have to have that CEO's mindset. Is that you? We have to give these engineers or leaders and managers. We have to constantly improve them. So some majority of them will stay. Some people will go, that's fine. But their collective output will be a lot higher. And you cannot do it without what you are saying that day, that Brownback session. Every week, learn one new thing. Maybe every month, read a new book. Write a blog post. Write a technical article. Give a speech to your team member. Show what you have done. Demo, sprint demo, like a sprint demo is part of these things. It doesn't have to be just your work. It can be a quarterly demo. Company tech like TikTok, attend meetups outside of your company. In our companies here that, that I work for, without these, we have eight key matrices, And one of the thing we call is that um, the innovation what new innovation you are adding into the team. In. Just by implementing feature for your clients, you are not going to do that. And to add innovation, you not only have to study it, you have to spend, go outside of your office, attend seminars, present your topics to others. Without all these things, the people's development will be stagnant. So I consider it as one of the major responsibility of the managers, the leaders, as that can influence them that, hey, what you are working right now on is based on your current knowledge, and I am looking forward to increasing your knowledge so that in future you can give us three times more work. Our job is to make them multiplier. Not they should not be just doing the work. They will be these engineers will train their future engineers, and this way they will act as a multiplier that will not get from that engineer ever if they just keep working on what they are good at. So. That's Thank, so you. Thank you,
0: Ashik. Um, we ran out of time, but I would love you to uh, expand this conversation on yeah. all, all these three topics require extensive yeah. time to tell people more about it. So we'll definitely welcome uh, yeah. you, know, you later. Uh, one last question before I let you go, That how do people contact you? Uh, what is the best way of contacting you? If you can share, then I'll be able to share with um, my team here, I mean, whoever is listening and watching the video. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Um,
1: I'm very easy to be contacted. My email address is uh, ashikuzaman at gmail.com, my first name and last name. But I also have a blog. I write ashikuzaman.com, an engineering blog. Or you can reach out to me over LinkedIn or even Twitter or Facebook. I'm I'm very active in all these social medias. So definitely, please feel free to email me at ashikuzaman at gmail.com or connect to me via
0: LinkedIn. Yeah thank you i really appreciate it and we will um, talk soon thank
1: yeah. you thank yeah you. thank you so much edbay it was nice uh, uh hosting me and yeah all the best yeah thank you take care Bye-bye. bye bye bye